Do you want to become an imperfect ally for underrepresented and marginalized communities? Or do you just simply want to show up and have better and deeper conversations with people, your friends, your family, your peers, your mentors, in a way that encourages you to see both sides of the table, more perspectives, which allows you to open up and grow and really uncover what is important to you and what you stand for. Then this episode of the Untapped podcast is for you. Hi, I'm Natalie Sisson, an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, host of this Untapped podcast, and a lover of handstands and dogs. I've spent over a decade building successful businesses I love and teaching others to do the same. I want to help you tap into your unlimited potential and make the income and impact you desire simply by being you. In fact, I'm on a mission to help 1,000 women earn at least $10,000 a month and contribute at least 1% of their revenue to causes that they truly care about so that together we can create a ripple effect in this world. So if that sounds like you and you're on board to learn how to make the mindset shifts you need to have the business success you want and the lifestyle that you desire, then this is the podcast for you. Erica is a 20-year veteran of the beauty industry, a salon owner, and a diversity, equity, and inclusion coach and consultants. Now, that's a lot of hats to wear, right? But it's this lived experience that's opened Erica's eyes to the power that we have as business owners to lead the revolution in a way that larger, top-heavy corporations just don't. Erica says that that doesn't mean it's easy and that if we want to make the changes we need to make, we have to feel safe. So she's created a beautiful non-judgmental space where you can explore your actions, attitudes, and environment, support your values, and lead to a more inclusive community and world. Now, in this episode, we actually cover off on a heap. So we talk about what inspired Erica to start a side hustle as a diversity, equity, and inclusion coach after running an inclusive beauty salon for over a decade and how she runs both those businesses full-time. We also talk about how she took that side hustle of the coaching business into a full-time gig with 650% growth in a year. We talk about what it means to be an imperfect ally and how that personally plays out in Erica's business as an ally for the LGBTQIA plus community. And we definitely went deep into how she has taken care of her own mental and emotional well-being, especially when business spiked after the protests. And she has a beautiful kind of concoction and formula of things that she turned to that I think you might find really handy to listen to and consider for yourself. And then we talked about how leaders can operationalize their values. So rather than just simply sticking them on a poster, really incorporating them into your culture and your brand. And if you have a team, making sure that they feel enrolled and on board and aligned. I also share a story from my own team of where this worked well and and where it really shone light on some gaps. And we just jammed on so many rich conversations around all of this and how you might be feeling, how others might be feeling, and how we can turn up and just do better work and be, as we talked about, that imperfect ally. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Let's dive in. Erica Corday, welcome to the Untapped podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here as well. And to kick off the show, I always ask the somewhat loaded but exciting question of how do you tap into your potential and get paid to be you? For me, I think it's to start talking. Mm -hmm. For me, it's being in the conversations where people recognize I didn't feel comfortable and now for some reason I do. And I'm talking about things that I didn't see myself talking about and here I am and 
apparently there's a reason for it. And being able to have those open, honest, vulnerable conversations is the cornerstone of everything I do. Mm. And it wasn't always everything you did. So do you mind sharing a little bit about your background and history of the business that you built and then we'll morph into what you're also doing now? Absolutely. So I am a cosmetologist by trade. And so if it's possibly something different for anyone that is not in the U.S., that is a hairstylist. I like to put my hands in people's hair, make them feel good about how they look, and I get paid for it. (laughs) So it's something that I've been doing here now for over 23 years. I've been in this industry for as long as I can remember in the sense that even when I was younger, it was kind of something that felt like an innate ability for me. The benefit was that as I went into this industry, I realized that I had an opportunity to support people in how they felt about themselves, how they navigated their life, how they were able to process who and how they were in the context of others around them and what they did and these other titles that they carried and just who they were with a certain amount of autonomy. And being able to do that really put me in a place of, for a long time, not even realizing how much I was able to really support people in feeling whole and being comfortable with what they saw on the outside, matching what they felt on the inside. And that was a large part of the wedding part of what I did as well. And when I finally did start my own business, which is Silver Immersion, that I've had now for about 12, 13 years, Um, the wedding side of it, where we would go on site and actually get wedding parties and everyone ready, a large part of it was really supporting people through what could feel like very stressful times and reminding them that they were seen, heard, and valued. And that became a primary reason why we were vocal proponents for marriage equality when it came to same-sex couples being able to receive services just like anyone else would and that normalcy be there for them. And so when I realized that, hey, this whole coaching thing is something that I've been doing, I should be getting paid for this. I have not been getting paid for this additional service. And so I went in and started my coaching certification and ultimately landed on DEI being something that was pointed out to me that I'd done throughout my life. And so This is the primary lens through which I coach and consult through and how I support people currently. I love, love, love the twists and turns of that and how it was kind of there all along for you. Um, But it probably took working with those people on making them feel good from the inside out and how they looked, et cetera. And that natural role of you coaching and mentoring and sharing and reflecting that in them for you to end up with this new business as well, which feels like a perfect compliment. I know for myself and a lot of people who go to, cosmetologist did you is that what the mm-hmm. word is yeah over here for sure in New Zealand it's it's a hairdress but I really love that word because mm-hmm. often they become therapists or counselors or just a best friend when you're sitting in the seat that you can share with I'm not actually one of those people I just love to go in and have my hair done and I'll often be working or reading but I know of other people who it's like the trip that they really appreciate because they feel heard and the amount of stories that I'm sure get shared with you is <laughs> probably unbelievable so I love that mm-hmm. you've taken it that step further And you still have your business. I do. The benefit is that when quarantine happened, I still had a business. And so I wasn't limited to only having something that I had to physically be there to do it. And so I've 
spent a lot of time over the years of really developing relationships with clients. And so it did make it a little bit easier to do this. And I have had clients that I talked about what I do with my coaching and consulting, and it has made it so that it doesn't feel like there's that thing. And then there's this thing. And so that's actually been really good as well, because I've actually had a number of clients that have really pushed me and are like, do more. You know, you can do this. I have one client that every time she comes in, she's like, did you write your book yet? And I'm like, not <laughs> yet. You're like the accountability coach and cheerleader too. So I know mm-hmm. that you've had this business for around a year and it was a sort of a side hustle. And now it's a full-time gig in addition to your, your salon. And you've seen 650% growth in a year, which is nuts. How much of that was just you really stepping into becoming a diversity, equity and inclusion coach? And the year that we've had where it's been highlighted more than ever how important it is. I think it's definitely been both and it's hard to really be clear on what's what Mm -hmm. because the, the one thing that I can say definitely was really reassuring to me because there were points that I wasn't a hundred percent sure of like, you know, is this me? Is it just because people are grasping at straws? And so it, it was also a difficult thing to acknowledge that, I am making money on a service that people are propelled to pay me for because they felt a certain amount of guilt or necessity to do this because someone was murdered on film. And that's a a challenging thing to have to navigate. The thing that I think was also coming up for me was the fact that this wasn't new. This wasn't something that didn't need to be addressed previously. It just so happened that what felt like the perfect storm of everybody being more still and centralized to have to watch shifted what the urgency felt like. And so the beauty of it is that when that moment did present itself, I was already doing the things. This was already my message. This was already my platform. These were already the word choices that I was making. This is the same thing that I had been saying consistently. And so when it happened, it wasn't, oh, I have to build a platform. I have to build my message. I'm not sure what I stand for. It was already there. And I do feel like that was very helpful because there was a lot of immediacy of everybody flooding and feeling like now, now, now. And so at least having that sure footing there did help. Mm. And I was still in the midst of having my own feelings about it. I was locked down just like everyone else was. So we were all experiencing the same types of things. And I felt good about the fact that I was doing something that was feeding a goal that was larger than self. And it wasn't simply about me. Mm. And yet there was kind of an about time. Because I've put a lot of effort and time and work into this. And there was that time, because I think most people that have a business know that there's that time before you actually start. And so there's that place of like, oh, how long have you had it? And it's like, well, how long has it been since it's been visible to the world? Or how long have I been doing this? Mm -hmm. And that always feels like two very different things, because there's a lot of energy and time and devotion that you put into fostering this extension of yourself that you're saying I'm presenting this to you as you will with it. I mean, in your case, it was probably like over a decade that you'd been kind of really developing that experience, the empathy, the understanding, the listening, the coaching, you've been thinking on this, you've been seeing it, you've been part of it. It was probably like a decade in the making um, as well. And I, so I totally get you when you talk about your business 
it's like, in which way do you frame that so that people are really engaged and lean in and go, oh, okay. And as you say, it's like the overnight startup. So the overnight success is usually built on a decade or more of learned experiences, lived experiences, skills, knowledge, all the stuff that you sometimes don't even realize you've amassed throughout your life. That's okay. the thing that actually makes it so, right? Really, really interesting. I'd be curious to know with your salon and your coaching clients, how many of them have kind of transitioned between or how many people sit in the seat and have their hair beautifully done and then go, hey, actually, I need this as well. Has it been quite complimentary or are they sort of two different things? I think it's complimentary in the sense that I don't have to be a different individual in Mm. both spaces. However, when I'm doing hair, I don't have to worry about am I coaching or is this just a conversation? So when I do that, I do step out of kind of wearing my coach hat you know, proverbially because of the fact that I want to be able to just simply have this conversation. I don't want to worry about whether or not we have now gotten to a place that like, this is no longer personal conversation or like, are you weaving in and out of it? What does this look like? And kind of having this boundary that kind of created itself actually helps so that I know that when I'm a hairstylist, I'm a hairstylist. When I'm a coach and a consultant, I'm a coach and a consultant. And mm-hmm. I'm fortunate that I have clients that are lawyers and work in nonprofits and things like that. And so we'll have conversations about things from in a way that I am kept abreast, even if I don't dig into every you know news story or what's going on. But I don't feel like I have to be on in that mm. same kind of way. And so I appreciate I appreciate what feels like that kind of space for me to just be me and do something that I've gotten very comfortable with. And mm. it feels like this robotic comfort zone and my arms <laughs> do certain things and my legs <laughs> go in certain places and I cut certain ways. And so my body has this comfort in this repetition. Mm. And so it's something that I, I appreciate that because that mm. is something that is very tactile. Versus coaching and consulting where the quarantine actually does lead lead itself very well to being able to sit in front of a computer and have Mm -hmm. calls. And so this is much less stimulating in that sense. And so I kind of like having the dichotomy between the two. Mm. Yeah, to find your groove and flow. I love it. You talk um, quite a lot also on your website about being an imperfect ally. And I'd love to know what that means to you and how that plays out in your business, especially as an ally for the LGBTQIA and community. So, and plus, sorry, it's it's become so long now. (laughs) So what, yeah, what is an imperfect ally to you? An imperfect ally is someone that says, I know that there are certain things that I have free and easy access to that you may not. And I don't want that disparity to exist. And so therefore, I'm going to use my position, my platform or my resources to be able to support closing that gap. And I may not be perfect at it. I may not always have the perfect word choices. Um, I may not always show up and do it ideally in the way that you would have me do it. However, I won't use that as a reason to be inactive. And so it's basically saying I may put my foot in my mouth, I may screw up, and I'm still willing to show up and support you and let you know that this is not a fight that you have to fight alone. For me, that was just something that I don't know what it was, but I mean, again, we've done weddings for years before marriage equality was made legal here in the States. 
And Mm -hmm. it was something that for a number of those years just felt very normalized to me. It's like, well, yes, of course we do it. And that's a part of what a lot of times we talk about in the business now, that implicit to explicit type of concept. So it was mm-hmm. a, it was an implicit thing, but I was like, this doesn't feel right to not make it front facing and very clear and direct. And so I took it fully front facing, made sure that our website showed couples that could see themselves in the imagery. We had contracts rewritten so that the language was inclusive, made sure that the website copy was inclusive. We would specifically have setups at bridal shows that would have kind of like a loop of photos and things like that that would be inclusive. So we specifically did things in a way that we wanted people to know that they could see themselves there and that they were welcome. Mm-hmm. and would have conversations. How was your experience? Did you feel like you were seen and valued? And did it feel safe and comfortable for you? Because we did hear stories that from some other vendors that they experienced, it didn't feel that same way. And so that was a place of what felt like for me, an extension of me giving what I didn't realize that maybe I even wanted to receive in the sense that my husband is white, so my children are biracial. And my children, I think, are very aware of it. But I remember a point where my son actually said, I'm really glad that we live now because if we were around back then, we wouldn't have been able to live in the same house together. Mm -hmm. And being at a point to where when marriage equality became legal, it was just a few years over 60 years that it had been made legal here. And so knowing that it was literally illegal to do something that I take for granted. It felt wrong to me to tell someone else that you can't love who you love and be able to have health insurance, be able to love them out loud, be able to be in the hospital with them if they're ill and to feel as though you're in a place to speak for yourself and them. These things that heterosexual couples take for granted, I'm like, you. I don't understand why this isn't a thing. And so for me, not supporting same-sex marriage absolutely felt wrong. And so I'm like, this needs to be done out loud. And I remember when I wrote a blog post, when I first kind of changed things and I specifically said, and if this is not something that you agree with, feel free to kick rocks. Mm -hmm. Because I felt very strongly that, If this was something that made you question whether or not you wanted us to give you, wanted if we wanted your money or not, if you wanted to patronize us, let me help you. No, thank you. I have never understood why anybody can't get married to anybody that they wish to and love. It has horrified me on my travels, actually, when I go to countries and it's just not legal. Um, just to actually even understand that concept, that anybody even gets the choice or right to make that decision on behalf of others, regardless of your colour, gender, race, whatever, is beyond me. That and, and many other areas of life. So I really love that you took a stance and supported that because it has always just beyond baffled me. And you're right, we do sit in privilege and take for granted these things that should be everybody's right. So, yeah, I'm really glad that you did that. And I'm sure in that process, it would have been an interesting moment for you to really also understand who stood with you 
and where people stood on that, which is always a fascinating thing. You know, when you divide and conquer in many ways with attitudes, um, always always really fascinating. And one thing that I've seen coming through a lot this year is just people not shutting out different opinions and decisions and seeking to understand, even if they don't agree, just to see where that person's coming from and what worldview they live in. Because the more that we read this in an article yesterday was that this year has really shine through on the independent self and the independent opinion when what we really need right now more than ever is collaboration and community and coordination between everybody right or wrong whether they all agree or not we all need to be working together so yeah it's just a really fascinating time where the self has taken so much top seat and it really doesn't deserve to even though we're all battling through our own sort of understandings of in particular what this year has brought to us Um, So I'd love to know you have an imperfect ally evaluation checklist on your site and I'd love for people to go and download it. But what are just a couple of the things that people listening can think about to evaluate? Are they an imperfect ally? How are they showing up that could help them? So I think if you're choosing to be an imperfect ally, one of the first things is to be clear on an ally for whom or what. So you want to identify is a specific group or demographic? Is it a cause? What is it? that you are trying to shift your efforts or your energy toward being in support of, or in some cases being in defense of. And so in doing that, once you're clear on what you are supporting, then I think it's also then kind of having that clarity on, well, what does that look like? Am I donating money? Am I volunteering? Is Am I donating time? Is it is it like protesting, marching, just literally being vocal in places? So if you were to think about from a sense of like a school district, like, are you going to the meetings and speaking when they give you an opportunity to stand up? Is it that you have specific parts of your business that have award seats that you give to people that, and I'm going to also be clear here, when I say award seats, we don't go with scholarships because scholarships can sometimes make people feel like you're the scholarship kid, the kid with all the rich kids around you and you've got the holes in your shoes and you feel very out of sorts. And so we do award because we don't want it to be something where you're giving this because you don't have it. We're giving you this because we want you to have it and we think you deserve it. Mm, and, and so with that, in some cases it may be because you financially can't afford something, but in some cases it's because you happen to belong to a minority group and you are doing something that we want to give you access to this to further the impact that you Mm -hmm. can make. And so that's one of the things that I've helped a lot of clients to be able to do when you kind of have a board that helps you to decide who's going to receive it. So it's kind of coming more from a set of peers versus I'm up here and I'm going to choose if you get this type of thing. Mm -hmm. And so this is just one example of how are you being in support of? But then there's also that place of how are you being in support from a place of kind of normalizing? Because I think what happens, and you kind of mentioned this in the sense that everything feels very much me, 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 me. And so we're not seeing how the person around us feels, how our community as a community feels. And so there is this place of being able to recognize does the business audience that you created include the people that you seek to be an ally for? And if not, then is there a possibility that you're not speaking to them? Have you not listened to hear what are the challenges that they need to be addressed to make sure that you're addressing that in your programs or your offerings? Do they see themselves in what you're doing? 
asking? Is it something that they're even interested in? And so there's this place of being able to create this space of empathy to see whether or not you're not only just saying, yes, I'm going to give money, but am I going to see you as a human? Am I going to normalize your experience? And how can I do this throughout all of these places within my business? Because what's happening too often is people are feeling othered and that does not help to bring anyone back to a centralized place. I'd like to interrupt this podcast with a really special message. If you want to plan your profitable freedom year and reclaim control of this crazy year by creating your profitable business and content plan in less than two hours, then please check out my workshop. I have run this for the last three years running. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's happening live in December over two workshop times. And at the end of it, you will have set your 12-month vision mapped out your juicy life goals, created your one-page miracle business plan, and created your profitable calendar. I do deliver on all of that. It's a workshop that is live where you will actually create and implement this. And after that, you get it as a full-blown self-study, work through it at your own pace course. So at any point that you're listening to this, it will be there for you. Head across to nataliesisson.com forward slash workshop. But if you can join me live, it would be amazing. All right, back to the interview. Yeah, really doesn't. Even just in that language, it's so, so important. Thank you for sharing that. So in terms of when, I mean, this year has been pretty epic and I know that uh, your business exploded as part of that and also for the other reasons that you talked about. How have you handled that from a capacity and a boundary place and, and looking after yourself during this? Because I imagine that there were more demands on you on your knowledge, on your wisdom, on your energy from people who were desperately seeking answers, wanting to sense make where they're at, navigating this for themselves, feeling guilt, shame, whatever it may be. How did you put boundaries in place to protect your own mental health and your well-being? Because as you said right at the beginning, you were going through a lot. How was this affecting you? What did you think of this? Um, how was it making you feel? I imagine for so many people it's been a journey on for everybody <laughs> So, yeah, what did you put in place? Because I'd love for people to know who've been going through this themselves in their own world, in their own lens, what worked for you? And, yeah, if you'd do anything differently. I don't know if I would do anything differently. I will start with that only because I feel like I'm a firm believer in you change a part, you change the whole. And so I feel like if I were to change pieces of it, I don't know what I would change of what the overall outcome would be. And I do feel good about overall how things have been navigated and how I've been able to kind of get to this point and where I feel like I am right now overall. Is there always room for growth? There is, but I'm also a realist. It's not like, no, it has to be perfect as a kind of recovering type A in some ways. (laughs) I try to be very cognizant of not putting myself in a place of having an expectation that I know is not something that I can or really even want to aspire for from a place of like, is this going to keep me whole on an emotional level? And so I'll say for me, I've always been kind of, I'm not going to say always, I was not raised to have hope or to feel like mental health was something that I could access. 
And so whether that was a therapist or a group, whatever that looked like. As an adult, once I was able to kind of make my decisions and I became more aware of what I felt like I needed and was open to, having a therapist was something that definitely does support me. So having a therapist is one thing that I find to be very helpful. Having a supportive unit of friends that I have created my family with because I'm someone that doesn't have a ton of family, but I kind of was able to create my family when it comes to the, you know, people that I wasn't born connected to, but I've grown to have that. And so that's been extremely helpful from a personal lens, as well as professionally people that are like, you know what, I can help you with this. What do you need? And so people have been very kind and very generous. I had someone that I'm fortunate enough to call a friend that has also been a business cohort. And sometimes it's been small things. Like I remember she gifted us a sound bath session, which was something that I had no idea how much I would love it or how much I needed it until I had it. And so that was one thing that was really great. I have a lovely friend who does Reiki, which is something else that's been Mm. very supportive of me. Um, Reiki's amazing, isn't it? Oh my gosh. I had no idea. (laughs) And like experiencing it and seeing how much it supported my mental well-being, I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. And so that's another thing that's been very helpful. I've also begun to explore more with like um, herbalism and things like that. So finding ways to still kind of tap into how to connect well-being from a kind of mind, body, spirit place consciously that has been helpful. So it gives me something else that I can do and learn, but it's also something that also helps at a point to where when I know when I'm emotionally off, it affects me physically and I will feel like I'm sick. So that's definitely been really helpful for me. And again, I can't underestimate my support system. I am very fortunate to have amazing friends and entrepreneurs supporting me and my business partner and co-host, India Jackson of Flaunt Your Fire. I mean, she, yeah. Like, I don't even know what would have happened (laughs) (laughs) because there were points that she was just like, don't touch it. I got it. And it was extremely helpful to know that there was someone that had been there and knew enough that I could do that. Mm -hmm. And it was also an exercise in letting go and not feeling like I had to almost death grip everything as Mm -hmm. it was happening. So, and honestly, it's something that I think I wish everybody tapped into more often was a good healthy dose of having sometimes where it's just like, nope, not doing anything. It's fine. Whatever the thing is, insert thing here, it's fine. Yeah. Like and just <laughs> walking away from it because sometimes we don't do that often enough. Mm-mm. We really don't. Yeah, I totally agree. I love the support system that you talked about there. I mean, there were so many different modalities and people involved. And I just think it's a really beautiful example of they say it takes a village to raise a child. I think it kind of takes a village to support an adult in many ways. (laughs) I've just thought about that now, but it really does. And we can't do this on our own. And the more that we tap into our community and and honestly ask for help where needed and give help where we can, um, it's a beautiful thing and it's going to keep us sane and healthy and thriving, which is honestly the best way for us to turn up in this world. So thank you for sharing all of yours for people listening. And I hope that you are able to see some of yourself in this and maybe where you could tap into some of those or where you're limiting yourself or not reaching out enough to people. It's something that I learned years ago. And the minute I did ask for a little bit of help, it was incredible to me just how many people stepped up and were willing to do it, that I always thought it was going to be a burden on them. So please don't underestimate that there are people out there. (laughs) Well, and what you said was important because I think a lot of times 
as women, we're not conditioned to ask for help or to Mm -hmm. speak our needs and let alone to actually assume that someone's going to listen and help. And I'll say as a black woman, there are certain things from a perspective of mental health that were not fostered to be accessible, let alone desirable. And to be Mm -hmm. someone that was parentified as a child, I had to figure out some of these coping mechanisms on my own, as well as navigating it once I felt comfortable enough that these were accessible to me and I could try them and see what felt like it worked for me. And so with everything that has happened, I did feel a certain amount of responsibility to model what was possible when I absolutely did not have that. And I know for a lot of people, just knowing that hope and stability and support and feeling whole and seen and validated and welcome And like those things are not things that are always there. And so being able to kind of even remind one person that it's here if and when you're ready. Mm, Beautiful. I love it. (laughs) I would love to just now switch paths a little bit into talking about how we as leaders, and I'm saying we, so anybody who's listening, you get to lead in any way that's appropriate for you, even if you don't see yourself as a leader you're leading in your community and your family and your friendships and your business and your career and all those areas that make up who you are. So how do we operationalize our values more? Talk to me about what operationalizing them means versus just having them on a poster or as a set of rules or a document that people have to read so that they actually really become part of your company culture and people really live and breathe them. Absolutely. And so, yes, I am never the proponent of let's figure it out and leave it in the dusty binder that never gets checked. And (laughs) unfortunately, for a long time, that was what happened Mm -hmm. with values. They felt like these kind of off to the side things that we did. They were nice to have, but they really didn't impact how we operated and how we showed up and who we showed up for. And so I look at values as being the thing that kind of ends up creating the filter through which everything else goes through. And so the operationalizing piece of it is really that part of creating values that are demonstrated through action. And so if someone were to say, we believe in time integrity, what does that mean? Does that mean that you maintain deadlines for your clients? Is it that you facilitate things in a way that they can achieve their own timelines? Is it that you make sure that the processes that you use are simple and easy and streamlined? What does that look like? And so whenever someone kind of has a word or a phrase, there's always kind of this rebuttal that's just like, what does that mean? How do you do that? Because if it's not something that you can do, then you can't show it. And then it really isn't able to be validated. You're not able to prove it. And so they should always be something that shows up throughout everything you do. So like when people take our implicit to explicit workshop that we do through Pause on the Play, they kind of will see me and they're like, I feel like if I don't say diversity, equity, or inclusion, she's going to yell at me. And I'm like, first of all, I'm not going to yell at you. (laughs) So that's not going to (laughs) happen. And you don't have to have that word as a standalone word, because more often than not, I would rather you not have it be this additional thing. Mm -hmm. I would rather those concepts singularly and as a whole thread themselves through everything that you do. In in that instance, you're able to look at this as a way that you move through 
actually creating what you do, running your business, supporting your clients and customers versus, oh yeah, I have a diversity statement and then here's my values. They're not meant to be separate. They're meant to be together. And so when things are just kind of really separated like that and compartmentalized, it's easy to kind of have a moment where it's like, well, I was really busy this week. We're just going to not worry about whether or not our Instagram posts are inclusive enough right now. Or, oh, have we made sure that, you know, the next round of podcast guests are creating equity within the people that we ask? Well, eh, it's okay. Right now, we're, we just have to get it done. It's crunch time. It's easy to push those things off. So when you operationalize it in a way that everything that you do needs to operate in this way. Then you put yourself in a place that it isn't an afterthought. It isn't an extra thing. It's just the thing. And it's how you do all things. Yeah, absolutely. And you need to uncover what those values mean to you over time as well, because I think they'll change or you'll have a deeper understanding of it or you will apply it. You'll be like, oh, this didn't, this wasn't what I was meaning by that. So how do we navigate that or return it to what it should be? And also Mm -hmm. I imagine it's super important that people in an organization or a company, or even if you're a a solopreneur, but you have some contractors, it's also about getting their buy-in. So they really understand it and they echo the values back in their own language. Is that true? Oh, oh yeah. So first of all, I think that whenever you do kind of decide that these are my values, just like anything else, we evolve. And Mm -hmm. so to assume that these would not as well is going to put you at a disservice because you're not allowing yourself to acknowledge where the growth happens. And so whether that's biannual, annual, quarterly for some, whatever that looks like, there should be a place where you audit and see, has anything shifted? Is there anything that we want to change the wording or the framing of it? And being able to see where there's any possible incongruencies that need to be changed. But there's also kind of this place of not wanting to do something that it's like, I don't know what to do outside of this because I think the values aren't meant to be limiting. They're meant to be supportive and they are there to make things easier. And so if you have people on your team and you're transparent about them, then that means that people have a choice as to whether or not working here is a good fit. And if you are transparent about those values and you're giving them that choice on the front end, then they can either opt in or opt out. And that may mean staying, it may mean leaving. Mm -hmm. But at that point, you're not having to figure out, okay, do I have to coach or manage somebody out? Or do we have to have this conversation? But I do think that there should be a certain amount of co-collaboration as to what that looks like. Because if you have a whole team and you're just operating this way under the assumption that they're on board with you and you have not gotten the explicit statement from them that, yes, this does not make me feel like I'm invalidating my own ethics, beliefs, and values as an individual, and I do want to support this, it's very challenging when you have to kind of backtrack and figure that out. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that it's okay, again, on the flip side, for someone to say, oh, well, as a business, you can't do this because I don't feel good about this. But this is where businesses do have an obligation to be upfront and clear and transparent about what they do and who they service and how these things are done and allow people to be able to choose. Because if for some reason, again, for a religious or an ethical reason, this does not feel good. If they don't know this and then they're put in an awkward situation with a client, then they're like, oh man, now what do I do? Or if they're in a situation where if there was possibly an addiction 
or there was possibly some type of trauma that they've endured, they shouldn't have to feel like, you know what, I have to now work with this man that I know for a fact has a history of being questionable at best with women. And I've experienced serious sexual trauma in the past. And my employer does not know that. And I'm now having to endure this day after day after day while I'm working with this person. This is where you don't have to go in and dump everything out, but there should be a place to where you're being transparent to let your people decide, again, to opt in or opt out, as well as respecting them as a whole human to not have to put themselves in harm's way in order to work here. Give them their choice as to whether or not they want to do it or not. And that choice may be that they can't do it. That choice being there is a very different conversation versus having to force something. I love it. I took a lot in there because I recently shared my vision with my team, which are all independent contractors in seven different countries across genders and race and all good things. But it was my vision and mission for how we as a team would be able to make an impact on the world. And, it, right. you know, I did it with them on a Zoom call and I shared it with them and they got goosebumps and there were a few tears, et cetera. But two things came out of it is that the follow-up to that is now asking for their vision and value for their role in that team and what else mm-hmm. they'd like to add in so that we're curating it together. And the second thing was that one of the team members, it was hard at the time, but she said, I actually don't feel aligned. Like she loved the vision of where we were going. But in that moment, she realized I'm not the person for this. Like I'm not as fully committed or I can't commit as much. She had her own business as well. And I really appreciated that, honestly. So it wasn't that she didn't love the vision. She just realized in me sharing it that, oh, I'm not the right person that Natalie needs to make this happen. So I think that's another thing that came out of it that was hard to deal with at the time. She was great and we were going great, but also a really valuable lesson to share that early on and make sure that everybody is alive. And if they're not, what part do they want to play and what can they bring into it to make them feel safer, secure, and like they can mm-hmm. really contribute. So thanks Absolutely. for sharing that. Still got work to do on that one, but it was really powerful. It was a really powerful lesson. Well, and it's a process. And that's why, again, when we do our implicit, explicit, and we're helping people to figure out those values, we have people start with, we do the private version and people bring their team in. We ask for their team to do theirs. And then you can figure out what are the things that are yours personally and what are the things that influence what you do from a professional lens? And then how does this distill down into how you operate as a brand? And seeing these leaders stepping in and saying, I want to know yours. I don't want you to feel like you have to co-sign what I say. I want to know yours. You get a very different result than feeling like someone just kind of has to be okay with something. And then it's like, oh, this isn't. And we had that happen not long after George Floyd. We had the same message and we had a team member that was like, yeah, I don't feel fully aligned. I'm not fully on board with it. So I'm just going to kind of excuse myself. And I mean, it wasn't something that went down badly, but there's that place to where it takes to have that certain amount of transparency around things to be able to have that come up Mm. versus, oh my gosh, this person's gotten unresponsive. Work is not done. The work ethic has, what is happening? And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this just doesn't work and you never know why. Versus Mm. somebody being able to say, I don't know if I'm the person for this. I don't know if I'm aligned. I don't know if I'm in agreement. Again, at that point, autonomy and choice become a part of the conversation. And it's so much different. Yeah, it's powerful too. 
Super mm-hmm. powerful. I love it. Um, so much to take in here. And I've really, really valued this conversation. It's given me lots of food for thought. And as you said, this journey and a process of continuing to understand and implement. So where is the best place for people to follow up and find out more about the work you're doing? And thank you for being on the show. Thank you for the insights. My pleasure. Thank you for listening and being in conversation with me. You can come on over and visit me, Erica Corday, at ericacorday.com. You can learn more about the one-on-one work that I do. You can also learn about the podcast if you just kind of want to listen in and see if it's a good fit, which I'm very excited because I've actually had people message me directly from New Zealand telling me that they're listening, which makes me feel so warm and fuzzy. So (laughs) that makes me really excited. What's the name of the podcast for people who want to just literally look in their podcast player as they're listening? It is Pause on the Play. And pause on the play. We have open and honest dialogue about basically where mindset and visibility intersect. And so again, it is myself and my business partner, India Jackson, and the two of us run pause on the play, the community, which is kind of an extension of the podcast where business owners, change makers, and leaders are in a room able to talk about these things together. They're able to support each other. And it's a place to be safe, supported, and you're able to be honest and vulnerable and be able to get that support there. Mm, And like I I mentioned, the masterclass, if you want information on that, that is also on pauseontheplay.com. Next one will be in January. Okay, perfect. I love it. And we will link to that all in the show notes. Thank you so much again. This has been um, really, really a beautiful conversation. Thank you for letting me be part of it. And just really excited to hear what the listeners have to say about this and what they learned from it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for everyone that's listening. I'm very grateful for it. So I really, really hope that you enjoyed that episode with Erica. I feel like we dived deep into a lot of conversations that you might be having yourself right now and you're not quite sure how to navigate, or maybe that you feel you need to be putting more effort towards and maybe being considering who you want to take a stand for, which people you want to support and help and empower. If you want to learn more about Erica, as she said, you can find her on Instagram. It's Erica Cordeaux. That's E-R-I-C-A-C-O-U-R-D-A-E. And she's also at Erica Corday. Sorry, it's Corday. That's Erica Corday. That's E R I C A C O U R D A E dot com. And she's also that on Instagram, Erica Corday. We'll link to that in the show notes, which you can find at nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast and our beautifully designed podcast page, which I've raved about before, but please do come and check it out if you haven't already and let me know your thoughts. What else should it include? What do you love about it? Does it make it easier for you to navigate to the podcast that you want? We've got collections coming on the way so you can go back to favorite episodes and find them under different topics. Have an amazing week ahead and don't forget to tap into your potential and get paid to be you so that you can make the income and impact that you wish to see in this world.